how can you ensure the transformation initiatives you take on achieve the desired outcomes? And how can you and your team thrive as you take on major transformation initiatives? We're going to explore those questions and more in today's podcast, which is part of a series in partnership with Tomorrow's Own. Today, Deborah Rubin interviews Sabat Kawaja and Brooke Foster from Provectus Consulting. Sabat is the founder and CEO of Provectus Consulting, a boutique change management consultancy. She has nearly 15 years of big four consulting experience, specializing in driving large-scale transformational change across all facets of the operational and functional areas of her clients' businesses. And Brooke is a managing director with Perfectus Consulting. With a diverse background encompassing big four consulting and industry experience, Brooke has a proven track record of driving global change and transformation across various industries and Fortune 500 companies. She partners with clients to build their transformation capability through organizational design, specific change strategy, and infrastructure. And of course, most of you know Deb Rubin, who is founder and CEO of Tomorrow's Own, a consulting firm inspiring both futuristic thinking and action to innovate in equipment finance and beyond. Tomorrow's Own works with leaders and teams who want to leverage technology to drive innovation, enhance customer experience, and grow their businesses. If you want to quickly comprehend the current state of your processes and technology to reveal the big picture and reimagine for the future while uncovering non-obvious profit potential and open new growth options for your business, Tomorrow's Own can help. If you feel stuck in the status quo and need a fresh perspective, Tomorrow's Own can be a strategic thought partner to help you see around corners and create short-term wins with long-term scalability in mind. Learn more at tomorrowzone.io. Before Deb and Sabat and Brooke begin, I want to tell you about Monitor Suite, the content subscription service equipped for the equipment finance industry. Monitor Suite features high-quality streaming series, including our summer blockbuster documentary series, GE Capital's Legend and Legacy, which provides an in-depth exploration of the history of GE Capital. Monitor Suite members have 24-7 access to our entire library of in-depth data reports dating back to 1992, early access to our annual Monitor 100 report, videos, members-only live stream events, exclusive articles, and much more. For more information, visit monitordaily.com slash suite. Monitor Suite was a project that I started working on during my time in cohort two of Stripe's leadership program, which is also today's podcast sponsor. Stripes is a leadership development program for the equipment finance industry. This 10-month program launches with a three-day intensive transformational program and also includes master talks and master workshops from notable industry and leadership experts, working cohort groups with other industry professionals, outcome-driven development sessions, and much more. Stripes was a phenomenal experience for me, and I encourage you to learn more about the program by visiting stripesleadership.com. The only constant in life is change. And that seems cliche, but it's also true. And the pace of change today just seems to be accelerating, whether it's change that you initiated or change that was forced on you. The amount of change that we're facing in the business world today can be just completely overwhelming. A lot of companies that I run into in the equipment finance industry are facing digital transformation initiatives or organizational transformation initiatives. They're working to streamline processes, improve customer experience, reduce costs, and boost their profitability. Transformational change can be really difficult. 
Research reveals that 70% of transformation projects fail, but what does it take to be part of the 30%? This podcast explores the human side of innovation. If we really want to take on the challenges of today and shape a better tomorrow, one of the things we need to get good at, that we need to master, is the people side of transformational change. And so I'm excited this morning to introduce Sabat Kawaja and Brooke Foster of Provectus Consulting. They have a firm that specializes in creative change management. They're experts in organizational change management, and they're actively innovating a very different approach to helping organizations through transformational change. So welcome, Sabat and Brooke. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We're excited so, to be here. So before we dive into what change management is all about and how you're rocking that world. Let's hear a little bit about your backstory. I want to go to you, Sabat. Could you just share a bit about your journey, where you began and how you ended up specializing in change management? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So I'm Sabat and I'm the CEO and founder of Provectus Consulting. I spent most of my early career in kind of the world of big firms. And so I spent about 10 years at Accenture and then I moved on to independent contracting. One of the things that I noticed throughout my journey is that change management, it's it at times can be very academic and it's very well-intentioned and the strategy is sound, but oftentimes the gap happens getting the strategy across to people, getting them to actually pay attention and look at it, right? Especially in today's world where people are inundated with text messages and tweets and pings, right? It's really a challenge to get them to actually look at your training content or even attend a training class, look at a calm, people's eyes start to glaze over. And this is something that I saw consistently throughout my journey. I felt that we were a lot of smart people in a room putting together great ideas, but when it got to actually conveying the information, there was just a gap, right? It just, there was a lack of interest. And it's really serendipitous. I started working with a, with an ed tech company and there I, I, there was this collision between what I was doing, change management and UX design. And I got some really deep and meaningful exposure to UX design and I saw their process and the design thinking, the user research that goes into everything and the visual design. And I started to think this is something that we're missing from a change management perspective. Like where is that visual design, that user focus? We're so focused on our templates, unfortunately, that we missed that user piece of it. Provectus was formed and we started to pilot this approach of let's bring in design thinking, let's bring in empathy mapping, really thinking about the user. And then when we actually go to convert our strategies or our training module or our comm into something that's user-facing, let's bring a designer in and see what they think. And so the, the creative process started. And I actually started to like my job a lot more because it was fun to see a designer bringing these ideas to life. And so that change by design was born. And so Provectus has been around since about 2016, but I will say the moment we started to introduce change by design is when we we've really started to take off. I think because of this amazing sort of fusion of creativity and design plus the best practices from change management, it really makes the end product and the end sort of experience for clients just unbeatable. And so we've really started to grow and we're, we're continuing to innovate within, within change by design, but that's a high level. 
I, I find it so fascinating the way that you are really playing at the intersection of design, creativity, and best practices of change management. For those who might not be into like what the best practices are in change management, Brooke, could you share a bit about what is change management and then your unique philosophy on change management? Thanks, Deb. No, change management was something that I was fortunate enough in my career at Accenture to stumble upon just because of great leaders that took me under their wing. And so when you think about any type of change that a company goes through, whether it's something as small as like a system implementation or system upgrade, or something as large as, okay, we're pivoting our whole operating model. We're going through a merger and acquisition, et cetera. There's always, there's a people component, right? People have to change behaviors, ways of working, their mannerisms, everything, right? And so when we think about change management is really that structured approach to make sure that people are prepared for the change, people are communicated with, that that really brought along the journey and that we transition successfully from this current to future state. And so change management is all about the people side of things. And it's really, when you think about the objective of that, it's making sure that whatever change that we're set out to, to make, that the, it's adopted, we get the outcomes realized, et cetera, because it's all about the people, right? Without the people changing, then you're not going to get the change that you set out to do. And I would say, as part of my philosophy, Savada and I were just having this conversation with a, a client executive the other day of, and this philosophy, we, this has been born over the last like year or two, just working with clients, but we tell our clients, we're like change management or crisis management, you choose, right? You either invest in change management up front, or you're going to have to pay for crisis management after the fact, right? And I see Deb smiling because it's, it leads to rework. If you don't really invest in the people side of things and really walk people along the journey, especially in this, this economy today of the pace of change, you're not going to get the benefits you set out to realize you're going to have to do rework. You're going to lose top talent, right? And it's just going to be chaos and mess. And then they start to invest in change management. But that time, it's just costs that are just gone out the window. So change management or crisis management, you choose. Oh, I think that's such a great statement and question. (laughs) You could pay now or pay later. And that really hits home because we do digital transformation advisory work in in tomorrow zone and often my team is called in to help companies who didn't invest in in the change management up front and yeah. so they're struggling to realize the benefits of their digital transformation investment or sometimes they just fail completely and then they call us in to just help like reboot or relaunch the initiative so that they can because the the goal and the objective doesn't go away <laughs> yeah. yeah just because you had the crisis along the way so i i, I love that so Brooke, I think one of the things that really inspired me to have both of you on this podcast episode, I think there are a lot of traditional approaches to change Mm -hmm. management, but what you two are doing and what your team is doing is really innovating change management and the way that it plays out for companies and their teams. So can you share a bit more about how your approach is so radically different from the more traditional and change management methods? And what are some examples? Yeah, I can start it in Sabat and you can, we can tag team because Sabat and I can talk about this forever. So I'll make this short, but I think Sabat said it at the beginning of, when you think about traditional change approaches, a very linear, great methodology, very static. And while those are very important, right? The ad cars, the cross site, all those things, they're important, but they're no longer enough, right? When you think about, again, going back to the pace of change, think about the digital landscape, 
it's really underpowered. Those methodologies are really underpowered for who we're up against. And Subhat um, says this every time we talk to people about change by design is it's, it's, we live in an attention economy, especially in the space of change. And we're up against people who have their PhD in attention, right? And we're all on our phones, iPhone scrolling, all the things, right? And so we think about the traditional change approach needed. They're great, very static and linear, but you have to think about the end user and you have to think about what is that visual design aspect that we're integrating, right? And so when you think about our approach, it really infuses not only design thinking and that iterative approach, but also the visual design aspect to where when it comes to the end user, that it's digestible, it's easily adopted, right? In seven seconds, you can understand, okay, this is the message. This is what I need to do, et cetera. There's so many examples about, I'm trying to think of the best yeah. one. <clears throat> yeah. I would just, just to back up. Our approach is radically different in that it's interdisciplinary. So it's not just one skill set, right? Like the strategist. Traditionally, you have a change management program. You put a change management strategist, somebody who is a cons consultant, right? What we're saying is that, no, you don't just need the strategist. You need an interdisciplinary team. And so typically at Perfectus, when we approach a client, we have the consultant kind of leading it, but then that person also has access to visual designer, to a copywriter. And I say this a lot to my clients and Brooke's going to laugh, but we want to be able to take your comm or your training plan and turn that into a Nike ad because back to the point on attention, no one's going to look at it. Otherwise, unfortunately, I've been doing this for almost two decades. Everyone's eyes are glazing over when they see that PowerPoint, that 30, 40 page PowerPoint deck. So what we've learned and how we're different, and I think this is a great example, is that we're able to take sort of dense content and distill it down into bite-sized sort of things that people can, like Brooke said, we have a seven-second rule. It needs to, if it's a comm, we need to get the point across within seven seconds. If it's training, obviously you, you need more time, but we make sure that it's interactive and that it's it's maintaining the user's attention. Because if it's not, then it's all a waste of time and money. And I think we really challenge ourselves in that way. And it's something that other firms cannot, they just can't do because they don't have the skill set. They're not even applying the skill set. They're just bringing in that business consultant. I'm not a creative visual designer, but I work with them to really enhance what I'm able to deliver for my clients. I think that's so key. When we want different results, we have to think differently. And if we want to think Precisely. differently, come up with better ideas. We need that thought diversity. We need diverse skill sets and, and unique new collaborations. And that's what innovation is all about. But I've heard you in our conversations in the past mention learning agility, and I'm very curious to explore that more. Can you speak to what that is and why it's important? What are yeah. some examples of that? Absolutely. That it's it's so crucial in today's world. <clears throat> so to your earlier point, the pace of change is exponential. We're constantly upgrading or changing or implementing. And so the, for the organizations that want to be competitive, that want to be successful, they're going to have to build within their culture, learning agility, right? So the ability for people within their organization to quickly ramp up, to have a desire, an intellectual curiosity to actually learn, upskill and adapt, right? I know like in, in change management, it's all about adoption, but now it's actually adoption, yes, but also the ability to adapt, right? And that's what learning agility really is. So inculcating that digital readiness, that learning agility, those are the organizations that are going to thrive in today's economy. And I, my answer to that is, is really, you know, how do you build that learning agility and intellectual curiosity and desire to learn and ability to learn? is to create content 
that people actually would like to engage with. Adult learning is very different than childhood learning. It's hard to get an adult to actually focus on something and learn a new skill. It's much harder, as anybody knows who's tried to take up a new language. And we there's methods and ways to make that process more fun and more effective. And other disciplines have employed those things. And, it, and I guess at Prevect is what we're doing is pulling in that learning into the space of change management so that at the end of it, you're not just here's 30 slide pages and this is what everybody needs to learn. The reality is that they might not want to. That's the importance of, of learning agility. Excellent. Yeah, I would agree. One of the things that we constantly look at when we're working with clients is what is the context around the business problem you're trying to solve? What's going on in and around your business and understanding that environment because focusing so that you can learn, so that you can do the implementation or the change, focusing in a world around us that right now is designed to distract us yeah, is incredibly difficult. And so it's amazing that you're keeping that up front and center in the way that you're thinking about the user experience for these training materials, job aids, or other things that your communications are creating to help people get with the change. Another thing that you talk about a lot is design thinking, and that comes up a lot in my conversations on this podcast. It's a big part of innovation methods. Could you describe design thinking and how you're applying that to change management? And we can go to Yusuba or Brooke, whichever whoever wants to take this one on. I can, I'll start and Brooke, feel free to jump in. But I think, look, in in the world of change management, it's again, like Brooke said, there's, it tends to be quite linear. So I'm doing my assessment now. We're going to do an impact analysis. Here's the training needs, right? It's a very linear process and it happens sometimes in a silo. So bringing design thinking into it is like, we we do a lot of workshopping at Prevectus. So we start an engagement, we identify key users and we start with a workshop, right? And we look at the problem and we provide various prompts depending on what we're solving for. And we have this iterative, fun, engaging, collaborative experience. And I think that's what makes design thinking so effective is that it forces collaboration and it forces sort of creativity. Oftentimes when you're working off in a silo and you have a deadline and you have to fill out a template, that's not going to inspire the most creativity or innovation. <laughs> and so when you're sitting in a, in a design thinking sort of workshop, you have a prompt, you have a time, you know, hey, you have 10 minutes, let's get the ideas out on paper and then we'll discuss. That inspires a lot of great thinking. We've seen great results, really rich sort of ideas coming out that Throughout my career in the past, before Provectus, I, I never had those types of experiences with clients. Like we really get people excited. And so I think to your earlier point about a diversity of thought, when you are collaborative and you're employing the elements of design thinking, you're iterating, you're prototyping, something doesn't have to be perfect for you to actually look at it and to improve upon it. And I think that's sometimes the fear that people have because they're so used to not presenting their work until it's fully completed that we really miss out on a lot of the early feedback that could really enhance whatever it is that they're developing and the collaboration, getting other people's eyes on it. And so I think that's the essence of design thinking is to take an iterative approach where you're prototyping, where you're talking to your peers and colleagues in a safe space to for the common good of creating something that's truly fit for purpose and innovative. And so we use that. And I'll end with on this topic. What I would say is what's worse than a crisis to, to Brooke's point is malaise. And you see a lot of apathy in malaise. And when you get people engaged and involved early on, you're able to avoid that because it, it really inspires that creativity. 
Brooke, did you want to add anything? I was going to say with that, it's funny. We do like all the workshops we do, as Sabat said, we always infuse design thinking principles and follow design thinking methodology. And it's, of course, one of the objectives is to meet the outcomes of the workshop and get the data that we need, et cetera. But more importantly, we design an experience for them and we really want them to walk out outside of that with the mindset shift and almost like a buy-in, right? Of this is important. We need to do this change. We need to embark on this journey. And so it's almost like a psychological buy-in that we're doing with all our executives when we do these workshops, right? Because every single design thinking workshop that our clients have left, they've always been like, wow, they've always left with some nugget of, okay, I get it now. And there's been some that have entered the workshop that are the detractors a little bit, that are a little bit more like not bought in, but their boss told them they had to be here. They're always leave being like, okay, like this is important. And I like how a light bulb goes off. And so our design thinking workshops are not just data input output, but also experiences that we design for our clients as well. I think that experience is so important. And and we have found that to be true as well in the work that we do on the front end of innovation. We really help companies with forming that vision. And we have found that by using visuals and co-creating visuals with the cross-functional teams, when they're part of exploring the problem thoroughly, understanding where the challenges are, but then also being a part of really forming the ideas of what could be possible, what could we do about this? They're then part of creating the roadmap for the transformation. And I found it's really hard for people to resist a plan and strategy that they were part of creating. Yeah. And so I think that experience is just such a profound thing to, to bring to teams that are facing big change. And speaking of change, we've been talking about the pace of change and it's unrelenting. Brooke, a lot of the teams that I'm encounter feel like they're just being bombarded by change from all sides. And it just, it's, if they're in a state of continuous change, I wonder how have you helped um, companies in other industries that might be facing similar challenges? Yeah, I think Sabat and all of us have been talking about the exponential pace of change. And I, I think that's agnostic of any industry or company. That's something that the world's dealing with. And I, Sabat, Sabat's going to laugh. That's something every single client we've, we've talked to across all industries has expressed concerns of. And we recently were talking to a company about how, okay, this pace of change obviously is where the world's going and their internal company was facing a lot of changes. And the problem was that their employees weren't understanding how the, all these different priorities, what was priority? What did they focus on? They didn't understand how ESG related to their everyday life. It was almost like this Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? Of what do I focus on? What's important? And so it's something that becomes even more critical as change management, even more specifically is the messaging, right? What are we messaging and how are we making it digestible? And so one very tangible and tactical way that we're working with companies is on the strategic narrative, right? Because at a, a time where pace of change is so prevalent, we have got to make sure we're engaging the hearts and minds of our people and how Sabat and I do that with our, with our clients as we tell stories, right? We work with them and what is the strategic narrative? What is really that story that we want to tell our employees of why this change is important, how it relates to the broader vision and making sure that not only is that messaging digestible and succinct, we then work with our visual design, copywriting, cinematographers to really translate that into a digestible visual design um, narrative as well. And so that's been a lot of something that we do with our clients, which has been really fun on the strategic narrative side. I think one of the other things that we've been working with a lot of clients on is really standing up that 
communications and change architecture, right? So a lot of some, there's obviously a different levels of maturity of their change functions. Some companies don't have a change function. Some are a little bit more robust, but a lot of the companies that we've um, been dealing with don't really have a robust change function. And so it's something as simple as let's stand up that change and comms architecture, right? So that as the change is becoming more prevalent and, and infiltrating our business internally and externally, we can have a very robust method and process for how we communicate change, everything from executive engagement to what is that those comms channels look like, right? And so that's something we've also been doing with our clients on a very tangible and tactically as well. That is so cool. It's not just the methods and the approaches, but also equipping your clients with the tools right. to be able to do it on an ongoing basis. This has been such a fascinating discussion. I have one last question that I ask everyone on this podcast. And so I'll start with you, Brooke, and then we'll go to Sabat to wrap it up. But I think about the leaders who might be listening today. What is something that leaders could do today to shape a better tomorrow? I would say really just continue and grow in self-awareness. I think, again, going back in a pace of change has been a theme of, of today, but I think in a pace of change, there's so much going on. You want to focus on whatever whatever fires put this, whatever closest fires out. But I think in a day and age where it's so important of who leaders are and we all have blind spots, we all have weaknesses. So I don't know that we keep each other accountable and we call each other's weaknesses and blind spots out. I think it's about understanding your blind spots and weaknesses and making sure that you have the support structure in place to call those out. Because I think all of us know all too well, we've followed bad leaders. We've been a part of really good lead, you know, really followed good leaders as well. But I think we have got to, as leaders, just be better and be self-aware and make sure that all our blind spots and weaknesses aren't translating down to our employees and our organizations. And so just making sure that you are just continuing to grow in self-awareness and have the humility to seek out advice and accountability when needed. Oh, that's really good. Sabat, what would you say to that question? I love that, Brooke. That's great. So mine, I, it's advice to myself as well, but it's just to listen more. If you want to, if you really want to be able to make an impact on your team or your organization, you need to know what people are feeling, what their fears are and address them. And you can't do that until you've listened. So it's simple, but it's something that sometimes as a leader, you forget to do because there's so much talking that you need to do and so much messaging that you need to get across that we forget to sometimes listen. Yeah, I think that's really vital. Those are really great thoughts on how to shape the future today. I want to thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your thoughts on change management and just new innovative ways to do that in such a wild and wacky, fast-changing okay. world. Thank you so much. And, and we're going to wrap with that. All right. Thank you. Thanks thank for you having care. us.